Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to determine what the best movie is of any given year. Before I introduce this week's panelists, I need to tell you that this is also a game where said panelists will get points for well-made arguments, cogent thoughts about the film, jokes I tend to like, jokes I really dislike, and anything else I feel like awarding. <laughs> And the winner will, of course, be my best friend for a week and have gloating rights. I am your host for this season, Mike Gravano, and your contestants, who I don't know who's been my best friend for months because it feels like we've all been bitterest of enemies. Uh, we're back in 2002, and I'm very excited to be in the year of the past and not the one year of the past. Greg, what do you think <laughs> about that intro? <laughs> you know what, Mike? You still got it. You're bringing that same heat to 2002 that you Great. were before our our big break so i'm glad i'm excited to be back to the to the real show and you know what have a little bit of boys time right isn't it nice to just have boys in the studio the way podcast should be the way po- <laughs> but i'm glad Ryan to be here Mike. Also for here. <laughs> glad to have you here greg uh hi mike thank you so much for having me tonight uh, i am jacked up and by that i mean i just ate seven slices of pepper jack singles <laughs> my favorite flavor of single hell yeah versus craft single do you mean american cheese yes american cheese is the best cheese for a burger but when you're just popping singles driving down the road like i do uh throwing the little wrappers outside uh your window um yeah it's pepper jack you know what's great for american cheese american cheese is the cheese that you have when you're like man i want to know that i'm eating cheese I want to be able to see something that looks like cheese, but I never want to taste anything during the whole process. <laughs> American cheese and not is- not real cheese. Looney Tunes style cheese. Yeah. <laughs> American cheese is the best because it's like life. if somebody took um, spray cheese in a can and turned it into a pancake, mm-hmm. that's the, a delicious <laughs> breakfast. Mm. I think there probably is good American cheese out there, but it is not made by Kraft, and it does not come in single sheets forms. And I disagree. I just think it's a it's a bunk cheese. It's like it takes all the character that's supposed to be in cheese and removes it and just leaves you with the health detriments. Honestly, as an adult, <laughs> I find that if I think that the cheese I'm eating tastes or smells good, then I'm doing a bad job. Right. <laughs> it's supposed to be feedy. Yeah. Feedy and stinky, the way all good things should be. Are you guys pumped? Are we pumped to be back in 2002? 20 years into our past? Man, Mike, we talked about, I know we do this every year, um, where it's like November and we finally finish talking about the year before, and then we have to get ready to start talking about the year that we're in. (laughs) Um, But my God, did we, it's hard. It's hard. Our jobs are hard. Yeah. Um, It's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of like uh, duty to our listeners. Um. Duty in don't their get ears. paid, so it's barely a job. Uh, but we figured out what is the best of 2022, and that's done. That's in the books. Now let's figure mm-hmm. out what is the best of 2002, our our actual jobs, why God put us here on this earth. Yes. The reason for the season, as it were. Mm-hmm. And that season, spring. <laughs> Eight months since we've last talked about 2022. <laughs> Wait, 2002. God damn it. These two years are too close together. Stop saying the word two. Tonight, we are here to talk about The Born Identity, and before we dive into the nitty-gritty, uh, what was your relationship to this movie before this, Ryan? Uh, big fan of the whole series. I'm not sure if we do the years where Supremacy and Ultimatum came out, if they if they would crack the top eight or the top 16 or the top 32 or whatever we're doing at that point, point. Um, mm-hmm. and they are very different movies. 
uh, that we might get into tonight than the Bourne Ultimatum. Very different directors, very different styles, but um, I those would not have happened without the Bourne identity. That's true. You, I mean, <laughs> argue with that shit. There's no the way of water if there's uh, no first Avatar. Um, I and yeah, this I've, guy gets sequels. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. knows what that means. Uh, I've long been a huge fan of this movie. Haven't seen it in a long time, um, and liked it again. Cool, yeah, <laughs> Craig. I I saw it one time twenty years ago and was like, that was pretty cool. And then saw each one of the sequels one time and thought they were cool. But like when I was like, what's this movie going to be like again? I consulted my memory and I had no idea what to expect. And I think, honestly, my initial reading of it as being cool was kind of faint praise. I was I was impressed with this. I thought this was a really good movie and it served in it like gave you a lot of different types of movie all in one package. And I kind of appreciated that. Yeah, this movie's dope as shit. All the best stuff probably went over my head as a kid when it first came out. And, yeah, all the uh, ways in which it was like a film and like an interesting yes. story and there was like balances and a lot of points being made. I don't think I got any of that <laughs> 20 no. years ago. We're just like, man, Matt Damon, he can punch people now. Well, we all and continue to fucking love Matt Damon. Just, I mean, we have jerseys, we have shirts with his face on it. We all go as him as Halloween every year. Not a, a character. The Matt Damon. Uh, but we do choose different years of Matt Damon. Sure. Oh, sure. Of course. I'm a real big The Martian guy. I'm always the one <laughs> wearing the, the NASA you space suit. I, uh, I constantly try to sell people uh, a technology that has always been bunk and will always be bunk. I'm very modern Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> you should buy this thing because I sound smart in the movies I'm in. All right, cool. Uh, Greg, like you, I think I saw each one of these when they came out, and then when I tried to think about it in the chasms of my mind, I was like, I remember him and Julius Stiles on a bridge. So it was when Chris Cooper on a bridge, and neither of the other people I remember being on the bridge, I was like, what is happening? And I realized all three of these movies are in a blender in my head. It is could not- easy to forget that Julius Stiles is in this movie. Uh, like, I feel like the movie forgets that she's in the movie for long mm-hmm. periods of time. <laughs> Plus, I, I feel like... I love, Mike, how you're upset at the movie. Like... Chris, that's supposed to be Julia Stiles, you fucking idiot <laughs> yeah. movie. Chris Cooper, what are you doing? Get <laughs> off there, man. Julia Stiles is going to see you. script. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, as like a government operative, I'd probably lean on my geographical expert a little more than they seem to lean on her. Yeah, the, the movie gives her very little to do, and then um, she doesn't quite know what to do with it. And so it seems like they basically were like, we got to cut down to the nub of what she's in, <laughs> and then just continue to, to continue. Like, this is the best we could do. I think they make up for that in future movies. Uh, We are going to take the quickest of breaks, and when we come back, actually be able to talk about the Bourne identity. Based on Robert Ludlum's 1980 novel of the same name, the Bourne identity follows the journey of a man who wakes up with no memory, but then goes on to learn he's an assassin for the CIA. Along the way, he learns his agency is trying to kill him for a botched job and falls in love with Marie Krutz, a German woman who seems a little lost. Directed by Doug Lyman of Swingers Go and later Edge of Tomorrow fame, and written by Tony Gilroy and William Blake Heron, the movie had some early controversy with the casting of Matt Damon as the action hero and pushing from a September 2001 release date for some reason. <laughs> Taste buds, I ask you this. The Born Identity is one of the most influential movies of the 2000s, essentially single-handedly rebooting the Mission Impossible and James Bond franchises to be more Born-like. Looking back, do we see why the changes occurred, and are we happy they did? Yeah, I mean, like, 
now we're in the era of the backlash or not backlash but like you know how it's a pendulum swing <clears throat> right and so i like the snarkiness of the marvel movies and the um the just disregard of physics for the with the mm-hmm. fast and furious movies i would say are is the pendulum swinging the other way again but what we got with this series and those series that you mentioned were fucking amazing like we, basically what happened is that these movies grew up with us. Yeah. So right. as we sort of aged out of the cornier um, Arnold and Sylvester movies, we were given this, you know, and then all of the stuff that came from right. its family the, tree. The action happens to somebody with interiority. Somebody who is like yes. making the like ultimate right. literary quest, which is this the search for the self and the resolving of different aspects of the self into one like contained identity, if you will. Oh! And putting that sort of like framework into an action movie and then giving the action, right? Like I mean the the, the movie has a lot of good action in it. There are slow moments. Uh, I question whether or not some of the action is shot as well as it could be, especially the fights, I felt like Maybe Matt Damon couldn't do some of the moves or something. I felt like Matt it, Damon could do all of the moves. It felt yeah, like Matt Damon learned. couldn't do all of the moves. He went to a boot camp, Greg, for three months to learn how to do the moves. Or let me put it this way then. If Matt Damon right. can do the moves, I think that they didn't film his fight scenes very well. Because it felt that- like the, uh, the idea behind filming the fight scenes was to kind of obscure mm. the combat more than feature it. Do you know? What's in- what, Ryan? Do you know how they were filmed? Uh, in no. reverse, tenant style. I, don't you? If anybody ever asks you how is this filmed, don't you always say reverse first? <laughs> uh, they, re- they just reversed it. It's in rewind. Um, because Doug Lyman was trying to um, sort of start this thing of realistic action that was taken by Paul Greengrass in the other two movies to like higher heights of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, he would not give the cameramen the script because oh. cameramen. Um, and when they know the script, they anticipate the move. Oh my and god! And they sell it to the audience before the audience knows. And he like, does, or doesn't sold. even know. So what he did was say, "You have to follow the action as if you are a viewer watching it." And I, there are parts in this movie where I think that really works, and parts in this movie where that it doesn't right. as much. But it's not fucking Matt Damon's fault. He knew the moves. <laughs> I just you got that is a fun tidbit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take something from porn. You got to open up the shots a little bit, right? You got like mm-hmm. people have to stand in unnatural ways to do the fight moves so that we, the audience, can see it. And I think that it like the frenetic pace worked on one level, but I just felt like so often I couldn't figure out who was punching, <laughs> who was punching who in the moment. And that's so important to me. Speaking of porn, I, like, have you seen the porn identity? I, I, have, I have not. Ryan. Yeah. With, it stars uh, Julie I mean, Cooper. It stars Julie Cooper from Riverside, but don't say she's from Riverside, and uh, she cannot remember if she's a virgin or not. And it's, you know, it's just as riveting. You know what dawned on me this week is uh, porn identity is a from the OC. Uh, you know what? I had just been putting that together slowly <laughs> in my head. Uh, Doug Lyman directed the first two episodes of the OC. What? That's the connection, ladies and gentlemen. What? Yes, it is. Everything's connected to the OC when you're friends with Mike and Ryan. But uh, <laughs> great, great. Sti- Okay, what are you saying, Mike? Uh, it's interesting that you're like these fight scenes, and I think that's because we're used to modern fight scenes and choreography. What I really liked them, and because I was comparing it to the stuff that was coming before, where you can't tell, or you can too tell that it's not Sly doing the cliffhanging, that it's other people, and this felt real to me. Dude, and, and 
that they finally cared about fight choreography. There's a part where he crawls out on a ledge. Yeah. And he's like, oh, fuck, I'm on a ledge. Not like, oh, let me walk out here and I'll be on the ledge and that's fine. But like, and it cuts to his stunt double. Yes. And it was amazing. They're not in uh, the volume, right, where they shoot all the Star Wars shows. They're not in, under green screen. Mm-hmm. They, they, Matt Damon climbs out. They replaced him with the stunt double. Yeah. We used to make movies in this country, folks. We used to make <laughs> movie-ass movies. They like, so he's like, I want to do all my own stunts when it comes to fighting. There's no fucking way. Yeah, he doesn't know those three moves. stories up. <laughs> he doesn't know those moves. They they didn't like know what to do with his hair. I guess the stuntman had radically different hair, so they just put any kind of sandy colored wig on his head. Even though Matt David's hair is like kind of short in this. Yeah. When they cut to that stunt double, his hair is just like three feet long. You know what you do? <laughs> I can't believe I have to keep teaching directors how to direct. But what you do is you have Matt Damon say, "Oh, I'm going to climb out on this ledge. Better put on my ledge hat." Put on a cowboy mm-hmm. hat, and then that's going to solve the problem. We don't have to worry about wigs. He just wears his ledge hat. Then he can yippee motherfucker down and wave the hat in the air, and it'll Precisely. land safely on his feet. But you know what, what? What movie I feel like we would not have if not for the action of this is the John Wick franchise, because especially like the way in which this movie highlights guns used in a less actiony way and in a mm-hmm. more realistic way. I feel like that's the kind of thing that has like through the Bond movies and into John Wick become like, I don't know, its own sort of like action art form. Guns as a melee weapon is always going to make me go, man, that's so much cooler than shooting somebody is fucking punching them with that gun over and over again. The thing that John Wick, I agree, like John Wick is from this family tree as well. But the thing about John Wick is that it's not a weapon you pick up as much as just an extension of your hand. Yeah. And I think that's what this movie does too is like... Because he even uses a pen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of proof of what you just said. Do, is it so? We're used to like the Fast and the Furious style movies, not the quippiness and like care for physics, but like you're gonna get a set piece every seven and a half minutes. <laughs> and does the fact that this is an action movie that's like we'll give you your action every twenty five minutes, but we're gonna let these characters be humans for a while? Does that hurt it as a genre piece or elevate it to make it more filmic? It could. I uh, let me answer this by saying that I would recommend this movie to anybody. And Mm. I can't really say that about all the movies that we watch because some of the movies that we watch are very smart and it takes smart people like us to watch them. That's why (laughs) we get paid the big bucks. But this movie isn't slow in such a way where it'd be like, well, maybe you should just stick to Fast and the Furious. You can watch this because when there's not action pieces, um, it's two people bonding, right? Mm -hmm. A, uh, A guy trying to figure out who he is and then his Hostage slash girlfriend slash sidekick. Girl trying to figure out if they're going to fuck. And then there's uh, the what's going on in the government trying to bring him down. And it, it, there's the, it's not the seven and a half minutes. Every, you know, every seven and a half minutes is a set piece. But still, I was in the entire time. Like, there's no boring part. I, the, I feel like the movie um, gifts itself a little bit of a slow start. But I feel like it really earns that with the way that it picks up. And I w- in a way, I wish it were possible to go into this movie kind of sight unseen. Like, the poster for this movie is Matt Damon holding a gun and mm. running around. And the whole advertising for it kind of gives away the notion that he's like a super spy. But the movie doesn't act like you know that going into it. Right. And I don't feel like it has to or anything. But it, right. So it's very patient in the way it sets up like, well, who is this guy? He had bullets in him so it seems like there's some implicit violence here and he's forgotten who he is but it takes its time establishing him as like because his identity his personhood really is what's at the center of all of this and so by starting off slow 
it builds that into it. We know him first as a person who is on the ultimate quest that we all are on, which is who am I anyway? Mm-hmm. And who do I want to be? Am I like bound to my past or can I forge a new identity in the future? When will my identity be born? Be born, right? Yes. Be born. I love too that like. Right. When... And the woman he hangs out with is Marie. What the fuck? Come on. What like, does that mean? But, uh, like Mary. Like Mario. Oh! Mary, mother oh, of God. Um, I, I love too like how Marie. he doesn't figure out that he's a super spy by getting in a big gunfight or beating up a bunch of dudes. He's on that boat, the boat that finds him, and uh, he's like, I tied this rope. How did I tie this rope? Why, why did I know how to tie this rope? Yeah, dude. Yeah, the captain's like, did you do this? <laughs> One thing I really like about this movie is obviously um, he is a creature of violence, and that's probably something that's like true to the, even the foundation of who he is. Right. And when he like can't figure out who he is, he like screams at the people around him every time he can't figure it out. That felt so real to me. I don't know if you've ever... like interacted with somebody that has memory loss but they don't like it when it comes up they get really angry if you don't like I it just hit yourself in the head with a coconut bud and get your memory and then back. remember the rest i thought you were gonna say have you ever interacted with a dude who's a little confused because it's also just very similar to that yeah and so <laughs> and somebody whose job it is to kill people for a living like he wants to be a good man but there is this base of him that gets very easily angry and we see it pop mm-hmm. up several times and i think that there's even a period where he realizes that he, that that Kane and Bourne are the same person, and he's like, he actually starts dressing in like darker clothes <laughs> and starts getting like more aggressive with everything he does because he's like, I guess I am Luke Skywalker when he puts on I'm, the dark uniform. I'm thinking We're, I'm back. I'm thinking I'm back. We're talking about all of. The- I'm Kane now, Ryan. You probably didn't notice there, but there's a little bit of. A little bit of symbolism in the name Kane. Lorenzo Kane. Yeah, Lorenzo Kane. Kansas City Royal. Sugar Kane. <laughs> um, we're talking about all the movies that uh, Born influenced, but do you know what movie I really saw on this movie is... Overboard. Terminator 2. Um, because uh, just the way that he is trying to ask questions and figure out who, like, what it takes to be a human for the first time or yeah. again, and how... He keeps finding out that, no, you were just built for violence. You're and, a machine made to kill. Yeah, you were just created, basically, to kill. And the, the coup de grace, where it all comes home, is um, Famke Patente? What's her name? Marie. Marie, Marie. Is, Marie's cooking in the kitchen and looks out and sees Bourne playing with those kids, just like Sarah watched Ar- Sarah Connor oh, watched yeah. Arnold. Yeah. And uh, just thinking about, like, th- is this the ultimate dad? Yeah. And, like... Uh, the way he just stands over the kids uh-huh. like and watches them as they sleep and the kind of light on his face is that same red light. And yeah, he comes to like so many situations where he's very clearly, they don't show it, but he's very clearly got like three options that he knows he can pursue and he just picks one. And it's not mm-hmm. that he's like making a decision. It's that like something in his programming pr- provides him right. these options and then he selects one of them. Like a video game, basically. Like it's uh, like a computer would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very. It much also so. harkens very much Matrix to me. You wake up in a world that you're, you know certain aspects of it, but you don't know a lot of it, and you have all these skills you never knew you had. That's that's the male fucking fantasy, right? Exactly. The, I didn't have to go through training, but I just know how to do all this stuff with my hands. That's the Matrix ish Matrix ish part is that it's not shot or anything like that. It's not stylistically no. like the Matrix, no. but the fact that you can just 
have all of these skills downloaded into you already right. and not have to spend years of training. Yes, that is uh, what I'm still working on. Well, I'm still hoping will happen to me yeah. one day. Someday, I mean, Gregor, I will hit you in the head with a hammer and it'll, you'll won't remember who you are, but suddenly you'll be able to kill us with your bare hands. One thing I do know that he knows, though, is uh, he knows how far he can run before his hands start shaking at that, at a certain elevation. Me too, dude. It's like right <laughs> yeah. away. They start shaking yeah. as soon as I go. The whole body shakes, really. <laughs> yeah, that quote, though. Why do I know that I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking? What what does flat out mean? What yeah, they should have non- dropped that one. That's one of the clunkiest lines of the entire movie. I also forgot it was from that. That is there's, there's a bunch of quotes before Tim Ferriss's podcast while the, like the theme oh. song was going. And that's from that. And I always thought it was just like a supplement guy said that. But no, it's <laughs> fucking bad for. Was it as exciting as uh seeing the uh arena owner or the concert? Go a guy in almost famous screaming lock the gates. Lock the gates. <laughs> yes, it was. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, stop all this heavy hitting analysis of the born identity. We're and so sorry. Visit my favorite tourist site. I forgot the word attraction. God damn it. <laughs> Mount Rushmore. You of course missed that sound. And know what it means. We are here in lovely North Dakota to visit everybody's favorite tourist attraction, Mount Rushmore. But this one, fuck those stupid, ugly-ass presidents. You know they're going to be handsome because we're building a mountain to the most famous pop culture spies of all time. That's right. Let's jump <laughs> right in. I've said it all, right? It's been uh, no. What, what do you mean by this word? Can we define this as far as movies go? Spies? Yeah. Hmm. What do you think it means, Ryan? Oh, what a fucking throwback. Well, because like a spy is somebody who like gets information and passes it on, or is like a lot of these are secret agents. So I think we're like because he's a secret agent, right? Like he's a spy. He does spying, but he's like an assassin. He's an assassin, yeah. So I think we're it's a I think it's a pretty wide open definition of spies. I think pop culture treats those three things the same. Where yeah, and it's just uh, incredibly skilled, right? Like yes. that's that has to be part of it. Is do you work for the government? The a shady- very specific set of skills, though. Right, oh, uh, you work for uh, a shady part of the government or a maybe a shady organization. Um, but yeah, and then you're sort of like this. You're not a heavy, right? You're not a thug, mm. but you get sent in to do specific jobs and you and quietly, I would say. And maybe you're the best at what you do. Possibly. Greg, take Killing. it away. All right. When I think super spy, and I think it's interesting that we talked about the way in which Bourne kind of updates a lot of this because he directly updated this character, James Bond. Like they watched what happened uh, with Bourne and the Bond people went, we're doing that same thing. Uh, Pierce, you're fired. Of, we're going to pick an actor that kind of looks like him. Uh, he's got to gotta be a heavy. We're going to start uh, heavily investigating his interiority. Yeah, a personality for yeah. the first time ever. <laughs> And uh, we're going to have his organization betray him. Like, I mean, it's just like they hit all of the notes. And thank goodness, because the Bond thing had gotten stale and they showed that you could breathe new life into it. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it's on the precipice of being able to become what we need it to be in the future. And I think that that's that's really cool. Like this movie kind of saved a character, which remember those like the Bond movies that came out before born identity yes like we were just ripping on the christmas comes once a year line i mean (laughs) it's like some of the worst stuff ever it's some of the bond 
movies that are attempts at legitimate movies are funnier than Austin Powers. That uh, that Halle Berry one, man, like that is a terrible movie. Yeah, and everybody they all blend it, together. Everybody's like Goldeneye, but the world is not enough. Tomorrow never dies. Die another uh, day. All is one thing. I'll say it right now. Uh, Goldeneye also bad. They're oh, all yeah. shitty. Like, no, I think we people love a video game. When Goldeneye came out, I think uh, there was a whole bunch of people who were like. No, that was there was a lot to Phantom Menace style. Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. But if you watch that movie now, like, and you had to push against this feeling because you know Goldeneye is bad within two minutes. Mm. Like it, Goldeneye announced right. itself as a bad movie like in the first sequence, and yeah, the video game is what people like. All right, the most important question, Greg: whose face would it be? Also, Greg. They're going right out there. It has to be James. Yeah, Craig. it uh, it has to be uh, the latest guy, Daniel Craig. Yeah, Daniel Craig, because the whole the whole reason why I think Bond works now, uh, I'm I'm a Sean Connery guy for like original Bond or whatever, but I honestly think we now have to say it's him. So interesting, Ryan. Yes. Do you have somebody the guy who has... most hated being it? <laughs> yeah, he really Harrison Forded it up. <laughs> Um, I think that uh, I still don't think that these movies are given as much respect as they deserve, even though they're all huge hits. But I don't think people fully appreciate the turn that the Mission Impossible series yes. made yes. after Born came out. Uh, let me go through it real quick. Uh, one was fine. Brian De Palma fans like it more than I do. Two was terrible. Dude, like one of the worst movies ever. Made. Two is so embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, John, we all did that thing of like, no, John Woo. Oh, man, I loved it. He did all the things that he does in the other movies. That's cool. I like three, the J.J. Abrams one, more than most people do. Um, but w- four and after mm-hmm. is when this movie series started fucking clicking. And I, much like Bourne movies, Fast and Furious movies, get them mixed together. Um, but there is no stinker movie or set piece or anything after four. I think Ethan Hunt... Um, up till last year, Tom Cruise's remaining popular character. Thank, thank God for Pete Mitchell now. But um, I think Ethan Hunt deserves to be up here. Right. Yeah. They, they, there was yeah, two so that hard. I'm like, they, they're on here no matter what. And it is. Can we agree that rather than being a head on the mountain, though, he's actually climbing the mountain? He's mm. just like a regular well, sized statue free climbing on the mountain. This is uh, Disneyland's the Matterhorn, and all of them are racing to get to the top of the mountain. There's no actual faces, <laughs> but maybe they're climbing on top of each other's, you know, like if you look at it at a certain angle, you can see James Bond climbing on Ethan Hunt's face. And Ethan Hunt is dangling out of Daniel Craig's nose. Our mountain designer guy, by the way, said that he didn't want to do the Tom Cruise head because he ha- found it really hard to like, in a mountain, carve out one tooth directly in the middle of the <laughs> Yes. That, that. The mono tooth. <laughs> it's horrifying. Once you see it, you can't unsee it, folks. Go look it up. Give yourself nightmares. All right. Those are two locked and loaded. Greg, what do you got for that maybe pile? Mike, permission for Ryan and I to get a little rowdy on the show? Permission granted. We are both, Greg and I are both wearing one boxing glove. And every time the other one gets a point, we hit each other with the unboxing gloved hand. <laughs> yeah. Which well, you th- got to protect the other hand. <laughs> this may not be the most popular answer, but it's the answer that is closest to my heart. A lot of people thought this guy was just an incredibly ripped accountant. Like, just a middle manager. <laughs> oh, shit. Just a middle manager who's pushing iron every single fucking day. 
Because he's so diminutive in every other way, right? Yes, he's as big as a house, but he's like as gentle as a mouse. But who is he? He's Harry Tasker from True Lies, all right? Uh, delivering us comedy, action, adventure, and teaching us that our wives are smoking hot and that we have to appreciate them and their interiority as much as we appreciate our own interiority. If you're like, yeah, ladies, if you're out there and you dress a little schlubby, um, rip off most of your dress yep. and find a vase with flowers in it. Take the flowers out and dump the dirty flower water on your hair. Slick it back. You're an amazing dancer. Boom. True <laughs> and, lies. And, but you know what? What is the actual hottest part of that? If you really think about it, she fucking falls right over yep. at one part. <laughs> and gets back up. And, <clears throat> and that's the part that goes, no, this is a real person. Like, there's a reality here. She's goofy. She knows how to be sexy, but also she's a big goof. And that, like, realness, like, he actually has a soulmate. And over the course of the movie, he figures out that, like, that's the most important part of his life. And he decides he really, his identity is as the person in his, in his like, cover life. You know, the person married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Don't you think we got the boring part of his life, though? Don't you think, like, if we could have seen the other side and just... Him being like, well, all the forms I need oh my to God. do the taxes. Go, go to the copy room and get me the copies. <laughs> you fool, get them now. Who's taking Starbucks orders today? Oh, it's me. <laughs> it's me. I'm sorry, everyone. Jiggle all the way. <laughs> I was going to just let it go as much as you guys could do it, but it does feel like jingle all the way is a good uh, punctuation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I was uh, I wanted to throw something on the maybe pile, but I feel like, what is it? Harry... Tasker? What did you Harry say? Tasker. Tasker. He's because give him any job. And to him, it's just a task. It's just a task. No matter how it's hairy it might be. Man, True Lies is such a good movie, everybody, right? Like we are a podcast that celebrates true lies around here. Yeah, what? blah blah blah. When we do the show, we'll have to discuss all of the horrible ways. And not, I don't mean to blah 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 away it's racism. I mean to say that uh it goes without saying there are some parts that do not work today oh yeah the, like the bad guys yeah the bad guys are pretty terribly portrayed man how come so much of our childhood you look back on you're like oh but also it was kind of evil yeah <laughs> we love it but in this other way it was awful it's just that classic 80s 90s 70s all the years before the 70s trend of like can we get generic brown people in here to right. uh scream you know things well, everything is wrestling multi-generations of kids to just invade a country for no reason if you don't prime them with decades <laughs> you gotta manufacture first. that consent somehow right everybody oh god do you remember that harrier jet yeah dude oh. uh yeah back to the parts of it that are okay <laughs> that harrier jet is freaking awesome remember the whole chase scene on like the florida keys highway that's like just in the water yep. oh my god and then gosh. nuke goes off while he kisses his wife oh my god all right ryan we have yeah. three straight to that mountain. Can you um, make this the hat trick, which is what we call it here, when you get four right on the mountain? It's never been done. I'm going to go with a true story. That, true story. That is not really true at all. It has been uh, taken to task, hairy task. Or let's, let's just talk more about true lies. Back to true <laughs> lies. Is it a yeah. lie? Is it the truth? It's kind of both. Uh, Stephen King says fiction is the truth in the lie. No DVD, no Blu-ray. Or there's a DVD, but no Blu-ray, no 4K. Just this movie's disappeared from the planet. Um, there was a lady who uh, was an exotic dancer turned super spy who helped us, somebody, win the World War One. Her name was Matahari. And in this movie, she's played by Greta Garbo. A legendary actress who does not get on enough mountains, I think, in my opinion. 
What's the movie? Matahari. And it like just doesn't exist anymore? Did it just like decay or something? Oh, I'm sorry. True Lies. You can't find anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you can't he, find true. I'm, I'm about true lies. Because it's so uh, racist? No, it's just, uh, I, I think it has something to do with James Cameron not being happy with like any print. Oh. Uh, or, you know, Jimmy. James Jimmy Cameron. C, yeah. He's obviously right. What I, like if you have a disagreement about what makes something popular, maybe default to that guy. Uh, Matahari is on our maybe pile. Yeah, sexist. Yeah, because you hate women. Right. That's it. Not because I've never heard of her, and I don't think most of her listeners. Because that makes it seem li- a little less iconic. Greg, what do you got? Speed round. Speed round. Uh, you know what? I'll do it for the ladies. Black Widow. Boom. She's out there. Secret agent. Spy. Part of Russia. Part of America. She's got a little red in her ledger, and she's trying to make it. Black Widow. Ryan? Um, uh, I, I'm not going to do any impressions or anything. I'm just going to quietly say that Austin Powers is, is and was a very big deal. Would you what, use, use an adjective? Yeah, baby. Yeah. yeah. Shagadelic. My, my wife, baby. Yeah. My <laughs> wife. Both of you give me one more very quickly. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Shagadelic. Uh, if we're going to... Uh, I mean, Black Widow about this guy, but I think Phil Coulson uh, was a super spy, a secret agent that stole all of our hearts for a very long time. Did you just go back? Did you just went twice in a row for some reason? You said Austin Powers was yours. I thought you said Austin Powers yeah, was Yeah, it was yours. mine, and then you said Austin Powers, and then I said... And I Ryan. Went. Okay, uh, how about Varys, the spider, the spy master, the guy who knows everything because he talks to kids all the time? Uh, your TV character? Mount Rushmore of super spy assassins, secret agents, <laughs> movies treat them the same, is James Bond that looks like Daniel Craig, Ethan Hunt that looks like Tom Cruise, Harry Tasker that looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger for some reason, and Black Widow that looks like Scarlett Johansson. Unbelievable. Greg. That Fantastic. is your mountain. Uh, we do do movies here, of course. Otherwise, there would be a split face that is half Carrie Russell and half Matthew Reese because the Americans does not get enough respect on its name. Man, we are little Americans reunion cocaine bear, guys. Go check it out. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. Back to the Born Identity. Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you can pay for Ryan to draw you a picture. Uh, I can write you a poem. You can get the shirts off our very own backs. All of that and so much more over patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on Bandcamp. he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music check him out the born identity was supposed to come out the same month the little thing i like to call 9-11 happened it was then delayed till summer 2002. How well does the movie grapple with the idea of a corrupt government? And is it undercut at all that CIA isn't bad? It's just maybe some guys who might be in the CIA. Yeah, that's the part that I I reacted to a lot. It felt like it... I, does it ever explicitly say that this is the CIA? Or is it just like... It's Project Treadstone. Yeah, because it feels very obvious that it is. That it's like a, a completely like sort of 
autonomous organization for the most part, but then it just like reports back to the DOD about what they happen right. to be up to lately. Um, and I, it, it, it makes them seem nefarious, but I feel like at the end of the day, it also kind of makes it feel like, well, there was a big problem and the organization <laughs> did take care of it. And maybe you don't love the way they took care of it, but they did close the book on that. And it, and I felt like it was almost oddly exonerative. Oh, you know how you can tell it's the CIA? It's because they say this guy, Wambosi, is going to write a book about everything the CIA did in Africa. Right. And that's why they yeah. give a fuck. Do you know what else this movie did? Like, besides the realistic, let's pretend physics exist action, you know, that it did, and, you know, all the characters... That it, for the most part, did. I think there's one departure, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, but, I mean, compared to other movies of this. Yes. Like it. Um, from now on, after Born Identity, for James Bond, for Ethan Hunt, for John Wick... Um, the villain, like the call is coming from inside the house. The yeah. villain is the department mm. that made you. You know, you're no longer right. going to other countries to fight people. You are you are running from your own department. And that's because well, what that really is like externalizing is this idea that we feel like these organizations that act on our behalf are not part of us. And so right. we kind of want to put the sin into the individual or into like a, a select organization. But truly... The sin belong uh, of the CIA. The sins of the CIA belong to all of us. They like helped make yes. the world that we live in, and that blood is as much on our hands. But I feel like the movie argues for, and then kind of becomes a way of thinking of it as like, well, it's just these bad dudes. Like if we didn't have these bad dudes right. always being so gnarly, like they want the power. Yeah, it's Chris Cooper. Ah. Oh no. Okay, I guess it's well. I guess I think the I think Lyman and Co are saying it's the CIA. But I wonder, it'd be so interesting to see a pre-nine cut of this movie to see how many... I, I think it is very soft-footed around because at first you're like, well, it's Chris Cooper and just the people who work directly under him are bad. And then at the end you're like, well, it's Brian Cox and the people who work under him are bad. He gets corrupted. But I think that move, that step is showing you like, oh, no, the fish rots from the head. You can always go, oh, it's the guy in charge of Brian Cox. Oh, it's it's because it's all fucked up. It, yeah, I mean, I like. I don't think it's doing as good of a job as some of the movies from the '70s that are like, "No, guys, it's time to open your eyes." But I, right. I, I am thankful that it isn't um, some random country that they threw a dart at on a map or just made right. up. To, that Wombosi just stays the bad guy the whole movie. But I think that what I realized watching this movie is that although Jason Bourne was this machine that was created to be this person and has other people like it, like Clive Owen, who yeah. Like, um, is a different assassin who they they make the they do the thing in this movie that I totally forgot about where they send out the assassin text. Dude, yeah, and <laughs> oh, we gotta get all was... the assassins on this one, and they're like in in meetings and stuff. Yeah, and oh, shit, around. I gotta go. <laughs> I, I just got a text. I've been activated. But so I think it, that was a hint at True Lives, right? We're like, oh, this guy's in a board meeting, but now he's like, well, I'm gonna go because I got a text. Totally. But still, I want my Starbucks. I. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, although these are pe these people are, have been trained to be thoughtless, right? Like just to be weapons. Chris Cooper is the machine. He is the mm -hmm. thoughtless, feel like lack of feeling robot. There's a scene in this movie that I think is so impressive by Cooper, where they miss him, uh, or like he was there but now he's not, and he's like to all of his people, he's like, "Gosh darn it, guys." We got to get him. We got to get him. And that is him pretending to be a human being. Yeah. <laughs> because otherwise, he's, he's a xenomorph. Like, he's a fucking right. thoughtless monster that will not stop. I mean... Way more than any of the assassins that get the assassin text. And he... Ultimately, he knows what's going to happen to him. I mean, he says to Brian Cox at one point, we're not going to make it to the bathroom if, if 
people find out about this. And he, what he's saying there is like, we're going to get iced if this gets out. And what he doesn't realize is that Brian Cox is the one that's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm yeah, going to be the one that are. does that. <laughs> and there's no there's no speeches like Jack Nicholson on the stand saying, like, you want me on that wall. There's no speeches right. from Chris Cooper saying, like, you don't understand what this country would be like if it wasn't for men like me. He's just a fucking monster. Well, because I that's part of also the argument where I don't think the movie is on their side at all. It is because it doesn't want at no point does it give Chris Cooper or Brian Cox that moment where some viewers might go, well, that is a good point. It is undercut that they it always seems politicky and power grabby and just like, don't let my dirty laundry get out into the public. Feels like every bit of their motivation. So in the end, it's not like that Brian Cox closes the book on this and it's a, a good thing. It's more like he gets corrupted and he becomes Chris Cooper, right? Like he becomes. I don't think he gets corrupted, right? He feels well. It, we I feel like in the beginning, it's like he it's it's he has deny he has plausible deniability in the beginning. He lets Chris Cooper do what Chris Cooper does, but then he doesn't ask direct questions. I think it's a twist. It's supposed to be a twist of like, oh, the muscle and the gunning and like the manliness is always in charge, and you're just a fucking check writer you know pencil, pencil pusher, pusher. Oh. and then uh at the end we find out no bitch i'm in charge all along you know yes. like i was i was feigning i guess like confusion or that you were the boss but like the second that i thought it got out of hand or i think you get out of hand you're literally going to get shot in the face and then because that's scary that's the real power right because you to me are born and I, to you, right. am Chris Cooper. Right. And, and that becomes quite literalized in the end when we see Bourne stumble out and then an assassin steps up and you think it's going to be that he's stepping up to Jason Bourne, but instead it's Chris Cooper, mm-hmm. who I'm sure has a character name. I don't think he's no, playing no, no. himself in no, this. Chris this Cooper him, as Chris Cooper. <laughs> Can you believe he actually died that night? <sighs> it's Such great. A shame. We've never seen him in anything again. And I guess maybe it is kind of an indictment, not just of the system or of not just of the organization, but the system as a whole, there's something so um, like, ah, Treadstone didn't work out. And then they just move on. That is like so cold and awful and so realistic. And, and part- how not nervous he looks like. And, he yeah. just, he's, like, and he's like, and le- he says like, let me tell you about my new project, Blackberry. Like, and, and Black it's like, well, that's probably, like, dude, that also Black sounds Black. bad. He's like, oh, that's Treadstone 2.0. Like that's, it's yeah. just reshuffling the it's, deck. It's honestly a little verbal kint. It's honestly like the end of Usual Suspects where like I played this, you know, um, gimpy, stuttering person the entire movie. And then as I'm walking away, my limp goes away. Oh, and yeah. I'm going into the meeting. And now I was in charge the entire time. And Chaz Palmateri just starts putting it all together. Yeah. Um, just being, was, is Chris Cooper dead? <laughs> I, I think, too, that like, no, I lost it. Sorry. <laughs> it wasn't it was gonna be really good though if you want to give me a point so the the i think our final verdict on it is that it's not it's not doing a good job or if, if it's attempting to do this it doesn't like remove the sin from the cia or from america in any realistic way but no, it's not I, doing I a think... bad job i think no. I, it's not offensively flag wavy which is what i'm looking for i was shocked that this came out in o2 because i don't i'm sure you guys remember like you weren't allowed to say French fries. Like, yeah, we we had the the invasion of Iraq had not started yet. There was like a decade. I feel like it, it was like 2012 when people were starting to be like, "Hey, this might be fucked up." It, like it was on lock for a few years. Do you think that though, like because it's so treadstone focused and so uh, underneath the basement of the basement of the CIA, that like even if this came out right after 9/11, our flag waving would have affected it. I oh just, yeah, I think people would have been pissed. It doesn't have the president. It doesn't have the army. Like I don't. I don't know if it's like. Well, 
I think that's Doug Lyman and Co.'s Brian Cox. Brian, like that. That's them being Brian Cox. Plausible deniability. They're like, it's about Treadstone. This isn't about how the U.S. government does bad. Things. But also, I mean, we we had yet to fully see in the light of day all the ways in which these organizations were fucking up. Right. Like yes. this is before yellow cake uranium. This is before like uh, people started to get uh, a little bit upset about Guantanamo. Like there's and because we didn't we had not had the evidence yet that told us how much this was not working. You know, Jack right. Bauer was out there on TV every week, basically torturing somebody else to get information. And it always worked and it always helped get the bad guy. That's what I'm comparing this to is I'm not saying this does not take America to task as much as it should. It definitely does not. But I'm comparing it to Jack Bauer, which right. was like torture forever. If you gotta. The. The fictional Ron DeSantis, as we'll call him from now on. <laughs> I remember what I was going to say, by the way. Um, these people that are in power get in their head that they, the country needs the guy on the wall, Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. so much that anything that could stop them is a threat. So, like, if you found out about my affair, I have to kill you because if you tell people, I might lose my job, and that's bad for the country. And right. that's how this all goes yeah. to shit is that, like, we're all holding guns on each other at the same time thinking – trying to convince ourselves and definitely trying to convince other people that it's for the good of the country when none of it is Chris Cooper loved the power and he loved the ability to murder people. It's all just like, uh, how much power can I get in my lap? What always gets me. And it's clear. Chris Cooper's number two, who helps Brian Cox knows all this. Like how, how do you build loyalty in a very violent organization? If you know that we all might kill each other, at some point honestly like, i think you're just dancing in the raindrops you're just like seeing how long you can go before you die it's the same that a gambler's addiction who can't leave the casino even though they're thousands of dollars in the pocket it's you're just like it's, hey i might die today because i'm hoping that you two are loyal to me but like i'm also when i'm hoping that knowing that i'm not to you right and in the back of my head i know that you're not to me so yeah you're just- but see you have to imagine what these people are like these people believe that the way they are which is that they will kill anyone to get ahead is the way people, quote, really are on the inside. And so they see that as everybody being like that. And it's I like think how it's, Trump right. always told on himself because yeah. he just assumed everybody thinks like him. And, and I think it's a little <laughs> bit like Sith rules. Like, we all understand that we will all do this to each other, and so it makes us stronger because we are always on guard and because we're always <laughs> honing each other's blades. Which sounds dirty, but it's not. And yeah, th- these are all the ways that we live life in the post-apocalypse. That's what it sounds like. But instead, no, it's just government, daily government work. <laughs> but I mean, it's and it's true of a lot of organizations that they are like everyone on the political right, it feels like, are all ready to turn on each other mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. second. Like and, and send each other to jail and uh, ostracize each other for the public square. And I just think it's like because if your worldview says that the second you turn your back on someone, they'll put a bullet in you. You just think of that as every how everybody else acts right. as well. Man, these people suck. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, go down to a part of the Pop Filter studio that I personally have missed. Welcome to the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. Ah, uh, you can smell the must that we have not been in the hallowed halls, the Pop Filter Hall of Fame, in quite some time. I legit, one of my favorite smells is like a dank basement or a musty uh, attic. The smell of mildew. Hall, yes, 
and you can smell the dust. Dust has a smell, and it makes me miss my nana. Aw, and that's what this hall is doing she's right dust now. now. Do you want? Do you want yeah. some of that shit? Uh, old churches, dude. Those things yeah. stink. <laughs> parking, park basement parking lot specifically on the East Coast. Yeah, you know what it is. I think some of this is West Coast basement fetishism. We don't have <laughs> basements out here that much. Like you have the occasional house will have one, and it's very weird. Um, oh, they're a murderer. Yeah, dude, if that person's definitely chaining somebody. <laughs> all we have are man caves with all our video games and sports. <laughs> and that just smells like Axe body spray and Carl's Jr. commercials from the late nineties. <laughs> no, we all agreed that those never happened, and that we don't feel oh. weird about them. <laughs> If it doesn't belong in your face, uh, we are here <laughs> to. If put it doesn't get in. all over the place, that's what it is. It doesn't belong, guys. In your face. I'm trying to nominate for the Pop Filter Hall of Fame Carl's Jr. commercials from the '90s, and you are stepping <laughs> on my shit. Yeah, th- that is t- stealing the thunder for sure. It's just it, I just got right now that they're saying eating our burgers like getting a cum shot. Yep. right. That's what they're saying. Yeah. just got it. They would have women come out dressed in like bikinis. And eat the burgers, and it was like, these burgers are, like, doing sex. <laughs> it was Simpler so embarrassing. The most embarrassing part of it, though, was um, they were titillating. Like, like <laughs> you wanted to feel like you were smarter than being attracted to the burger girls. But every time the commercial would come on, you're like, I'm not, though. <laughs> I'm not smarter than that. Ladies uh, and gentlemen, the burger, the burger girl. The burger girl shaking their that buns for that lettuce. That is a phrase that will live in my head forever. It's <laughs> the Burger Girls. The Burger Girls. She's got real Burger Girl vibes. Uh, okay, that's not what we're here to talk about this time. We are nominating people to go in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. We all only get two yeses, which means somebody. Stop me. Probably all of us <laughs> could be left in the dust. That's right, the mask. That I like the smell so much. It's the mask. Greg, let's start with you. Who belongs in this Hall of Fame? I'm going to nominate an actor who is smoking. (laughs) (laughs) And that is, of course, uh, nothing says smoking like Cox. Brian Cox has given us so much. I will will always think of him as the principal from um, Rushmore. From Rushmore. Uh, of course, a segment that's obviously very important to us. Uh, a mountain we hold near and dear to our hearts. And then um, as the as Robert McKee, the like uh, direct or the script writing instructor, who I still can hear him say like, uh, "God have mercy on you if you use voiceover." Was that a movie from two thousand two? That's a two thousand. That's a two thousand two movie with Chrissy Coops. Uh, but then, of course. Um, we all know and love him as Agamemnon in Troy. Um, oh, yeah! I forgot about Troy. Agamemnon in Troy. Agamemnon himself. Yeah, the big guy, the big A, Captain A. Um, but no, Logan Roy uh, from Succession now has made both Brian Cox and Fuck Off uh, household <laughs> names. I kept just staring at Drop Pad, like, don't you have a fuck off? And Drop Pad just shrugged, like, no, I don't, I, which is a real... You don't need one, dude. You've got all of us yeah. just parodying Fuck it. off in stereo. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, let's not forget the villain of the best X-Men movie. Yep. And... That's true. William, William Stryker, Stryker himself. The original Hannibal Lecter. Oh, yeah. Manhunter. In a mind... Manhunter. Manhunter. Mind Hunter. <laughs> Something that's different than that. Mm, I'm going to ignore you guys. <laughs> It's Mindhunter. 
Brian Cox is, uh, yeah, I like the Coxessants. Let's get he some Cox up it. in this hall, am I right? Do you like Brian Cox better than Ryan's Cox? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. S- simple question, easy right. answer. I honestly, I just searched my heart for that one, and it was <laughs> yeah, like, you thought yeah. about it. I didn't like that it was plural. If you had just said your cock, I'd be honestly, that's part of your body. It's beautiful. Like I love it, just like I love you. I love you. But. Yes. If there's more than one, I don't know what's going on. I'm out. Go to the doctor. Well, uh, joke's on you because uh, the nickname for Mike and Greg are Ryan's cocks. And so you guys say that you hated yourselves. Listeners, is that true? Wow. Because I would think it would make a lot more sense if we were his balls. Well, Because there's two of us and we're kind of just hanging there. I'm the balls. You guys are Ryan's <laughs> He's cocks. the balls. He's the singular ball with two dicks. Ryan, what do you got to go up against the Cox? Uh, I would like to nominate to the Bible Hall of Fame the Burger Girls. The Burger <laughs> Girls. Checking their buns, trying to get that cheddar. Uh, <laughs> we come to the I think a lot about how we grew up, how we were shaped. And I think specifically a lot of times it comes down to our comedy, um, how our comedy grew, um, and maybe sometimes a little bit of how our sentimentality grew. Um, and I would like to nominate somebody who I think is unheralded for his thumbprint on this. Um, Scott Adams recently lost his job. Uh, all of the, the Dilbert news- guy, the, Dil- <laughs> the Dilbert guy. This things have gotten a little treacherous right. around the old studio at the moment. Ryan uh, there's a is nominating Scott in the Adams. Um, and uh, it's it's hard to imagine why this matters because uh, the funny pages. Don't seem that relevant, but Bill Watterson, who created Calvin and Hobbes, uh, I think has not only left a lasting imprint with these two characters, but also has never been in trouble. He went away. He was like, well, this is my last uh, comic strip and then went away and seems to be reclusive, but has (laughs) never like screamed white supremacy or uh, so refreshing <laughs> just living his life <laughs> hopefully we could say that for the all o- of the pot filter hall of famers there's only one supremacy that we back on this show and it's the born supremacy Greg. nice loved that um he's kind of back isn't he isn't he coming out with a book or something yeah he's gonna write a novel i think um but uh calvin all grown up all of those calvin and Hobbes, not just like this the sun or the daily comics and the sunday ones were like fully painted and would have like mm-hmm. adventures he would change his art style if calvin was hanging out with dinosaurs yes. or uh, if he was being what he was peeing on that day <laughs> Space all right, that sort of ruined uh calvin's legacy but um, but that that's that is not Bill Watterson's fault because Bill Watterson never sold Calvin's likeness. Mm-hmm. They've gone after him for movies and so many adaptations that he always said no. That is every time you see Calvin peeing on something, that is Calvin pissing on Bill Watterson's what if, face. What if that was the one thing that he did license him for? It's like, <laughs> no, man, that's funny as hell. He's pissing on it. <laughs> I love oh, that. I love that as a tattoo. Right on a thing. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think that uh, you know, almost every house I've ever been to when I was a kid or even now have super thumbed through yes. uh, the book versions of all of these. So it wasn't just like, did you read it daily in the black and white newspaper? But um, just uh, an incredible lasting legacy of this kid who is wise beyond his years and yet younger than he actually is and this imaginary friend. It, it was the, as a kid, it was the only proof um, that there was a reason why it was called the funny pages. <laughs> yep. Yes. Like you'd read Beetle Everything Bailey and you're just like, go, what the fuck? Uh-huh. Dagwood? I'm trying to eat my cereal. I don't give a shit about Blondie, all right? But I'll stare at it because I'm not reading these black and white newspapers. You know what I love, though, is Rex Parker, MD. 
That's a good oh. one. The antics he would get into. <laughs> or the Spider-Man one. You have three panels for Spider-Man to do something. I'm going to walk over there now. All right, I've made it. And you would remember to read it once a month. So, like, those three panels were, I have no idea what's going on there, Spider-Man. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on there, Spider-Man. <laughs> what a weird thing to yell at somebody. <laughs> All right. Mine is uh, not as heralded uh, from our childhoods as Bill Watterson. But I think uh, this person had it their heyday in the early 2000s. They had a lot of play then, and have kind of been forgotten. I think they were too important and too talented. Is this the Burger Girls, yes, dude? Is he going to fucking say the there Burger Girls? WMDs in Iraq, it's George W. Bush. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's uh, Mary Louise Parker, oh. I think, is an underrated actress, and she elevates, and she's in so much Star trash. of Weeds. She always elevates Star of Weeds, uh, Star of Saved, uh, mm-hmm. which also had the guy from Weeds, the DE agent. That was their, he was the... Youth pastor who do backflips and safe. Uh, star of R.I.P. Martin Donovan. Uh, no, her name is Mary Louise Parker. <laughs> no, I'm going to go with me. It's Mindhunter. <laughs> and so that's who I'm nominating. End of sentence. Yeah. Uh, it's time to vote. Weeds is a show I watched like religiously when it was on and have not thought about since. Like I literally forget about weeds until someone brings her up or something obscure makes me think of it. I try to forget about weeds two or three times a day. (laughs) They just keep pressing play on your house. Yeah. You can't forget about it. Man, do you remember that fucked up part where the youngest kid jerked off to the naked picture he found of his mom? Oh, I do not. I guess I was out before it was over. Wow. Uh, Haunting. I mean, if your mom's Mary Louise Parker, I say. On that particular yeah. show, she was fetching. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was fetching. So Ankles for days. We have Brian Cox, Bill Watterson, and Mary Louise Parker. Ryan, yeah. let's start with your vote for Brian Cox. I'm going to say no on this one. Son of a... Greg. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I love Cox. Mike... I'm going to say yes. Well, you ruined it. You ruined it for a perfectly nice old man, probably. <laughs> there's All no right, way Brian next. Cox is nice. No, yeah. There's just <laughs> there's just zero chance of that. Have That's why him? he's so good as Logan Roy. <laughs> he's just finally himself. Have you heard him talking about uh, Jeremy Strong? Yeah, he fucking actress. hates that guy. He's like, That's bullshit. <laughs> I wish he'd fuck off. And this fucking bitch <laughs> comes out and is like, I'm an actor. <laughs> I, because when you are not an actor that does it that way, yeah. it's like you know you show up and you play pretend, you idiot. Like you don't have to be like this all the time. There's a difference between you and the character you portray. So they strong as a method actor. Yes, and, uh, and has he is Kendall Roy. Like if you talk to him in interviews, he just says all the same shit. Oh, uh, I just really want my just... Twitter to be uh, off the hook and um, <laughs> generally on fire. Even though that slipped a little into. Greg, shut up. At the end of shut it, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Why do people? So often when people compliment your impression, they'll like be like caveat. It got bad near the end. Uh, for a second there, you had his cadence right and you had his voice right, but then you dropped off a little bit right at the end. Uh, Brian Cox doesn't make the Hall of Fame, and Greg <laughs> sucks at his Jeremy Strong impression. <laughs> That's a one-two punch. I had never even tried to do one before. Right. Where are the girls? They're nicer to me than this. The Burger Girls. The Burger Girls. <laughs> They Shaking will their not know why they have a new nickname. Uh, what are we talking about? Bill Watterson. Let's vote for Bill Watterson, Greg. I want to be such a poly piss pants here, but <laughs> I got to say yes. Ryan? Yes. 
Mike? Yes. Bill Watterson is in Congratulations. the Congratulations. Congratulations. Mary Louise Parker, Greg. We are we we ain't got the votes, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do not have the votes to give. I, I think she's wonderful, but I just don't I don't have the votes to give. Mary Louise Parker, is that three first names for a girl? <laughs> Save some for the rest of us. Damn. Ryan, how would you have voted no. if it mattered? I have a vote to give today, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's spiking no. that down. He kept one in wow. reserve. He's gonna that take is that with him. Brutal. And I have to vote no because I use all my votes. So, Mary Louise, I, sometimes you go up against a hard class, and sometimes Ryan decides to still vote no. <laughs> it's, not hard class. it's the Pop Filter Hall of Fame, not the Pop Filter Hall of Pretty Good. What is that? Yeah, I think he got it. <laughs> I think you know it. Well, congratulations to Bill Watterson and nobody else. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, more Born Identity. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com, and it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action, and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! Taste Buds, this movie is mostly for the fellas, the boys, the dudes and the guys. But there are also a couple of ladies as well. Woo! That is Woo! Oh, well, why, why are we doing it at all? <laughs> we have a robot for this. How does Marie fare as a character? Is she well-rounded, interesting, and complicated, or is she just someone for the hero to fall in love with? And do you guys remember that Julia Stiles is in this movie? <laughs> do you guys, before we get to that, do you guys remember movies for guys who like movies? <laughs> no, it's what always, is that? It's always funny when there's a product for men, and it's something like movies. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> movies are for boys. It was like Spike TV, I think, or uh, TNT. It was just like action James Bond movies. like movies On it, Saturday nights yeah, or whatever? Saturday day. Um, I Julia Stiles More like Saturday day. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think that Marie is this is this is hot off Run Lola Run. I think she ran right into this movie, right? And <laughs> that's why she seemed out of breath in the first scene. <laughs> and I think in the second movie, they're together and she dies immediately. Yeah, she dies in the first scene. I was wondering about that. That seems like the exact kind of thing that would happen in the sequel to this movie. It's like, man, girls, they're hard to write. Oh, and I'm dead. But That's I, harkening back to James Bond for sure. There's that one he gets married and then she dies immediately. And then he's like, I guess I'll ski around in Switzerland then. <laughs> oh, come on. If any of our wives die, we're all going Straight to, Switzerland to Switzerland just to ski our balls off. <laughs> Man, we are such ski heads. <laughs> skiing for guys who like skiing. <laughs> um, I think right. that the performance is great. And uh, I really like the character who uh, 
we are fed information so slowly when she shows up at this farmhouse of a former yes. lover, I'm thinking. Amen, yeah. And, and he's like already he's moved on with his life he's had kids or maybe it was an affair we don't know and that's what's so great about it is we don't know but he's he knows like you're a fuck up and you bring right. problems with you yeah and that's so much that we learn about marie not from a speech not from right. a flashback but just by watching other people interact and stuff like that makes it so much more interesting why she would uh get into bed literally and figuratively just take this money right. to give this guy a ride it's yeah. obviously something sketchy going Europe. on if somebody wants to give you ten thousand dollars for oh, a no, ride. i'm sure he's a normal guy on the up and up running from the american embassy <laughs> and in the story she tells um when they're driving along it's like oh sorry for talking so much i know boys don't like that and he's like no actually i'm the kind of boy who likes when a woman talks <laughs> the to ladies him. fucking dream boy oh over here. what's this matt damon wants to hear me talk oh my gosh i can't even believe that most it's the only thing that helps me relax yeah most dudes are like uh ladies talking that gives me a headache he's like that's the only thing that keeps my headache away yeah honestly most guys would be like honey if you're gonna keep talking please hang your head out the window <laughs> so that i cannot hear it in here but instead he says no i will listen and then he he hits her with those sensitive eyes but what she's talking about there is a time she like really enjoyed but was part of a really bad enterprise like she basically got ripped off because somebody shined her on about what the circumstances were and that sort of like the fact that she's a mess up the fact that we see that she has a history and it's okay like she broke Mm -hmm. up with Eamon but he's not abusive like he's moved on she hasn't we feel Mm -hmm. her past and we feel maybe not to a full extent but we feel her pursuing her own born identity right and maybe there's a reason she was at the embassy and have lost all of her papers and stuff maybe she fucked up because what we do learn about her is she's kind of a mess yeah i mean and isn't that so interesting you could make an indie movie about her life before born identity just like being lost in and Europe. don't we see her learn how not to be a mess because don't we get the feeling at the end of it that like she has figured out how to have the business that she wanted. Uh, she's been she's found a way to make the dream become a reality and to fuse her two sides of her own personality, mm-hmm. which is like the fuck up and the one who like has dreams. I think she has something to believe in. I think that she was sort of Francis Hotting her way through life, sort of like, oh, I don't have my goal, right. but you're definitely avoiding goals. You know, yeah. you're definitely avoiding right. growing up, and now you have something to like do. And this, uh, it, uh, yeah, like it gets to the point where. We watch it happen throughout the course of the movie, and then in our post-credit sequence, or where you know our uh, little scene at the end, she's running her own business and seems to be doing good at it. And she On hits the Amalfi Coast. It looks like, and she hits him with that line where he's like, "Hey, can I get one of these scooters?" And she's like, "Do you have any?" ID. Oh my god, oh! movie, what are you doing? Get out of here. Didn't she oh, say uh, doesn't ID come once a year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should be. You should be getting a new ID every year. Do I people not so, know yeah. that? But yeah, I I so I feel like the movie probably could have given a little bit more. It's not about her. But mm. I just it's felt like we Marie don't identity. We don't really generally, we don't usually get that much of a character of a of a just like the the love interest backstory and get right. to see her grow and her change. Uh, we have a step in the right direction. Yes. Yeah, I mean like the uh the anti-American thing. I think it's it's not terrible, therefore it's great. Um we haven't brought up 3 Days of the Condor yet at all. No. And how you know, uh, influenced by that movie this movie is. It's about Oh yeah. Something uh, I definitely did not know in 
2002, a year I had never even heard of Three Days of the Condor. Yeah, you never Same. even heard of the year 1975. Like that's how I was like, what? No, the, <laughs> 1986 when I was born is when all of this started. <laughs> that's where they started. Uh, but yeah, about a guy who works for the government, not necessarily a super spy, but he's Robert Redford, so he might as well be a super spy. Um, I'm a reader. Getting, I read. Getting into a relationship slash hostage situation with Faye Dunaway. Uh, looking back on it now, compared comparing Faye Dunaway to Marie, I think that Marie is way more three-dimensional because so yes. much of Faye Dunaway was I'm in this situation because of Robert Redford that is my character you know right. and and I can't get away and so all I can do is accommodate this and so every decision I make is suspect because I'm just trying yes. to accommodate this thing that is a kidnapping you know and where so just him walking up to Marie and being like no this will be a financial yeah. transaction and there I mean there's a point where he says we're together now like we're in this through thick and thin and it is a little bit forceful, but that's like an hour and 10 minutes into the movie. And that's when he's, uh, I think that the movie is uh, intentionally at that point, he is kind of, he's more Kane in that moment than he is born. And so I think that it's, we're supposed to see him interacting with her in a different way that makes us feel uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. And it does. It honestly, like I don't ever like to see um, like, a woman get handled in that way or like, like, cause he grabs her when she tries to walk away and he throws her or he yeah. pushes her. It's up always against, up against the wall. Yeah. And so that's still like, I feel like the seeds are still kind of there or like the, the after effects are still kind of there. I, I think very purposely, like if, if now knowing three days of condor exists in 1975 is not a myth that <laughs> the creators of this very intentionally are calling back to that and are still updating it. And I, I think that's so interesting saying he's trying to be Kane instead of born. Because it's like, here's how I'll survive. And just like, at the end, you said, Greg, she's put her two halves together. Bourne finally figures out how to how to have it all. Yeah, not not that he doesn't have to just choose one of the two aspects, but that we need to have some sort of fusion of our everyday and shadow selves. Well, there's a switch right. that flips where he's like, who am I? And it flips to, I'm going to decide who I am. Yeah. So right. instead of asking questions, he's making decisions. Um, we didn't talk at all about... Right. Uh, you know, there's three days of the condor, but also the long kiss goodnight, guys. Gina Davis went yeah. through the same exact shit. I was thinking of that though, honestly. Yeah, like that because when I think of the like you said, like isn't it such a guy fantasy to suddenly like realize you have these assassin powers? But honestly, the movie I kept thinking about was Long Kiss Goodnight. The tired she throws the knife and it sticks in the door. Yep. Gina she Davis jumps out the window and shoots the ice. That was when Gina Davis was like, you know what? I'm a fucking action star, dude, <laughs> and it's gonna last forever. Cutthroat Island. Ever. Whoops! <laughs> you went to the wrong I'm island. Like- Every I love the the period in and now it looks like in every like prestigious actor's life they go I can do action I'm fucking sick of this weepy shit yeah. Charlize Theron uh, right now uh, Meryl Streep uh, on the River Wild <laughs> Liam Neeson's did it and now there's Julia Stiles she I think the rest of the series she expands a lot I think she becomes like okay his, so she's like, in the other movie partner. She gets fatter? Yes. She's in the other movies. Uh, I'm not going to comment on that, Orion, because I don't remember and because you're an idiot. And, But yeah, I think she has an actual role and an actual character. Here she just is there, so they're like, well, we have somebody in Paris. Well, I don't think that her role is any more or less flat than the the right-hand man of Chris Cooper, like the skinny the kid. The kid who looks like Matt Saracen, but is not Matt Saracen from Matt Friday Saracen Night Lights. and also Logan Eccles from Veronica Mars. Yes. Uh, perfect mix of those two. It's just that Julia Stiles, I think, was a name at this point. And so you would yeah. think that maybe there was a lot of stuff cut. But, um, yeah, she's like, you're good at your job, but your job is following orders quickly, I guess. I got the sense that she was supposed to be both a foil 
for Bourne and for Marie. And that mm. ultimately, I don't even think it, I don't think it really has to do with her performance. I think ultimately right. you just, you lose plot points. You know, yeah. you just, you strip away. And a lot of times with a movie, you want it to be so much more complicated than like two hours will allow. Especially and, when it's based on a book. Yeah. And so like, I, I just feel like her depth got cut as much for just running time as anything else. Right. But it's kind of, and, and you're right, Ryan, that like, there's a lot of secondary characters that don't have depth. I think what underscore or what makes it uncomfortable though is she's literally the only other woman in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I, I think that I think that's a good point. But do you think that fact that we know her name and have seen her and stuff? Right. If she, if it was, I was, I was going to name an actress, but that's if it was a random also person who looks like somebody else from Friday Night Lights and somebody else from Veronica Mars slammed together, and we didn't know her name. I don't know if our radar would go up as much to be like. I agree, and that's not like a that's not the best defense of this, right. you know. But um, yeah, it's just. But like, uh, l- l- let me ask you this: because people who remember the sequels, there's way more ladies in the sequels, right? Like they suddenly found like CIA agents that could be ladies, yeah, assassins think, could be ladies. No, Joan I don't Allen, think they can be. Joan Allen, I think, did get a job higher up, and she is uh, a woman. Yeah, so like I, I, I do think you could look at it, and it, that's a charge against it. Is it kind of just seems like a bunch of boys boying around, yeah. and the one one of the characters who got like cut down to nothing is just the only other lady up in the movie. Right. There's a an incredible meme. I think it's David Strathairn is in the second or third one, and he watches oh, Jason man. Bourne doing something crazy on video, and he like takes his glasses off, and he's like, "My God, it's Jason Bourne." <laughs> and so, <laughs> so you show like a kid. Uh, just on Healy's tripping and eating <laughs> shit. And then you cut to David straight there and going, my God, it's Jason Bourne. That's awesome. Speed round. Of course it is time for speed round. Just, just a- answer quickly. There's no real rules to this one. Is some of the tension of Bourne trying to figure out who he is at all lessened by the constant cutbacks to the CIA, which very clearly establishes who he is? That's Jason Bourne. They're just like, oh, that's Jason Bourne. <laughs> yeah, I, I see him. It's Bourne. I feel like I feel like as the viewer of the movie, you're supposed to just like put yourselves in each respective camp's shoes. But you watch Jason Bourne not know who he is, and you watch the people who know who he is not be able to find him. And I felt like on some levels that cut down some of that tension. I see that, but I think that the purpose of Brian Cox, or what we think the only purpose of Brian Cox is, is he's the guy who's like, wait, who's Jason Bourne? And Mm. therefore, the movie... Uh, the Jason Bourne scenes and the Chris Cooper scenes keep scooting along yeah. for more and more forward as we see Jason Bourne become Bourne and Chris uh, Cooper explains to Cox who Bourne is. It's just weird because at one point you, he's like, I'm an assassin. And it's like the audience is like, yes, we have known yeah, that we for knew 55 that. <laughs> minutes. We didn't lose our memory, bro. And he's like, I'm the same person <laughs> as Kane. And it's like, yeah, you found all those documentations that said you were Kane. What, what's going on here? Yeah, is that like poorly executed dramatic irony? Because isn't dramatic irony when the characters don't know things the audience does? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I I I feel like I see why they did it, but I I also felt like it cut down on what some of the emotional impact would be of both uh, on both sides of the coin, really. Does the movie flip the script on the born sexy yesterday trope? And I did spell it the right way by having the character be a dude. I think. Honestly, I was watching this, and I was thinking about Robert Redford from Three Days, and I remember Brad Pitt was supposed to be our Robert, our our generation's Robert Redford, mm-hmm. but I think that Matt Damon is sort of better here than Brad Pitt could have been, because Matt Damon just always is sort of mouth agape dumb in every movie. He's just always like, wait, what? 
Uh, there's so many times when he walks into a room and he's like, wait, what's going on? Until the born <laughs> thing clicks in, he's just unsure. And yeah, I think seeing a dude who ultimately at the end of it is very capable, but the first 30 seconds of all those scenes are just like, wait, what the fuck is going on? I think it works Why? really good. But also born sexy yesterday being like the fifth element where it's like, you're three days old, but man, I'm going to fuck you. So you're like, you are innocent and I'm here to guide you. It normally is a woman it. And and here Marie gets to be like the I can show you the world. You sexy yeah, beast. it's less. It feels way less skeevy. I think part of it might be because he just doesn't remember exactly who he is, but he remembers how the world works. He remembers right. how to bang. Yeah, he does. Is the born Kane dichotomy interesting? They're both him, but they're not. And do we care? I don't like. I didn't think of this does as like a, a Moon Knight situation. You know, a DID mm. situation. Uh, it was just they're all him, and what his name is is semantics. I mean, I, I think that the movie establishes pretty hardcore that there's supposed to be a dichotomy there and that he is trying to decide between, like, two aspects of himself. So I don't think that's, like, an invented idea. I mean, the whole idea where he's like, I'm Kane. I mean, and to have this idea to be born and Kane, like, both those names are so loaded. It, it feels very much like, ultimately, he does decide, yeah, they're both me. I'm, I, I have parts of both of them. But I, I feel like it, it works to establish a the, dichotomy there. When he figures that out, isn't Marie, like, yeah... Yes. No, dude. <laughs> of course. Remember when you had like all his papers? You're that man. <laughs> I don't understand. He's like, no, I mean more. Like, we I'm went Kane. to the apartment. Like, I don't mean. <laughs> and she's like, and she. That's why she looks at me. She's like, yeah, you're not home. It's, this is you. And he's like, we're gonna figure out who this Kane guy is. <laughs> uh, as we've said a lot, this is an update of Three Days of the Condor. In what ways is the new version an improvement on the Sydney Pollock movie? And in what ways is it lacking? I mean, I think we talked about how the treatment of women. Is it's way better. Is slightly better here, and um, I think that I, this isn't better or worse. This is just different. Like this is for modern audiences, which sort of brings the set pieces that directors in the 1970s didn't give a fucking shit about. Yeah. Um, you know, there's that three. Uh, there's the thing where like the killers come in to where Robert Redford works, and they kill them, and then he walks in and sees them all dead, and that's like that's the action folks for this movie it's kind of the what's interesting it's kind of the opposite of um three days of the condor because in three days of the condor he's like i am a cia agent but i really don't know any of these skills i have to learn how to do that right uh, i'm just the guy i am and in born identity it's like okay i got the skills who right. am i again if the action heroes of the late 80s and 90s are forced to hand over the torch to matt damon and jason Bourne, how do we think he compares as a performance and character to the studs of our youth i just i don't think that there was any thought of who they were as characters. Yeah. Back then. Like, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, was it Commando? Uh, his girl, his daughter gets kidnapped. Yeah. And that's, so it's like, he's got a daughter so that she can get kidnapped. That's it. That's, that's the long and short of that character. And f both the Arnold character and the, I want to say Alyssa Milano character. Um, that's just, that's it. You know, like Sylvester Stallone and Cliffhanger, his wife dies so that he can and they're also there to like frigging. be like right. curmudgeonly about the culture i remember in commando uh -huh. he's like why don't they just call boy george girl george and get it over with and it's like okay <laughs> that's what a good joke so you're hyper masculine that's really cool um anyway <laughs> and so it's like that they're the only personality they were supposed to have is kind of like skeptical of how soft everything's become whereas this movie is like don't we need that 
softness or don't we have to know yeah, how to so, integrate uh, that look at softness. matt damon's fucking sweaters in this dude movie. his sweater game is, is so strong is, yeah. when you're out to sea you're gonna get a sweater that is nice Hell yeah, you are. and i think at one point him and marie are wearing the same sweater which is adorable yeah they're just both in there at the same like time sharing it <laughs> <laughs> uh, does it show uh, like an evolution of what we demand from our action heroes hell yeah it so is the evolution personality yeah, I, I think it might be the like the trigger of the evolution. It would have happened at some point, but it did happen with the born identity. You know, like uh, Daniel Craig. We, we we talk about how it changed the action of action movies. You know, where it has right. to be more realistic, but really it changed the center of the action movies. Daniel, all of the interiority that we've been talking about all night, right. like uh, Daniel Craig would be the three dimensional James Bond or two dimensional. I'm sorry that we grew up with if it wasn't for. Jason Bourne. It, with that being said, is it okay to have an action hero named Jason? <laughs> it's just a dude's name. That's classic. Jason and the Argonauts? That goes back to antiquity. Oh, fuck it and does. it kind of redeems That's the so name weird. Jason because Jason failed to integrate the fullness of his personality, including uh, what he did to Medea. And this Jason right. integrates fuck. fully. Yeah, but name a cool Jason that you know now. There are none. Okay. Isn't it weird that... <laughs> Names like Agamemnon and Archimedes and Jason all existed in the same time. That's <laughs> fucked up. What about Agamemnon born? Would that have been better? <laughs> yes. Honestly, yes. You take that guy seriously. Is uh, Matt Damon being smart and hyper capable its own genre at this point? Yeah, just listening to him explain things, I think you could like cut together a clip of uh, Goodwill Hunting, this movie, and The Martian of him just like going through explanations of something in very lucid dialogue. And the crypto commercial. I can't imagine what it's like to hang out with Matt and Ben just both talking about things they know over each other. No, I can. Actually, I'm but, doing it right now. Oh, on a oh. oh, is this because I'm eating Dunkin's right now? <laughs> Oh, these? thank God. I was I assumed Greg was the smart one and I was the idiot who loves Duncan. Sorry, no. no. They're, they're both fucking smart. We all they're both wicked smart. smart. <laughs> oh, that's what? our show, what? ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, wait, hang on. There's more show and I'm not the host. Unfortunately, there's... Uh, you know what? That is a good way to end it. So this last question is, <laughs> did the final scene of Bourne finding Marie undercut the bleakness of the penultimate scene showing Cox getting away with it all? Why can't we have nice things? Like, no, I don't. If you wanted it halfway through the end credits, Mike, because that's what you grew up with. I think flip it. Uh, have Bourne and Marie meet and then have Cox to be like, oh, shit. I mean, it goes all the way to the top. The only reason they have him go back to her at all is so that in the next movie, he can hold her while she dies and be like, I in, hate you forces that have done this. So it's as darkly cynical as the other move, I think. In the first scene of the second movie, like not the second, it's the first part of the second movie. I would, I, I can't see though how uh, that scene where he goes back to Marie was added by focus groups. Like, yeah, yeah. wrote their little notes and said, no, did you think it was weird that he brought a camera to Marie and said, do you want to make the porn identity? I did think that did was you weird. Think that's that, was, weird. that was weird. I did think that was yeah, weird. That was, that was odd. It was too weird. We are going to take a break and we come back. It's award season. Do you guys believe that the porn identity won no Oscars when it came out? I do not believe that. How many was it nominated for? Do you believe that the producers did not hand me that information? I think it went O for O. That's yeah. what I'm assuming. Yeah. It, it, that was back before The Dark Knight is when the Oscars were like, I guess we'll fucking pay attention to popular movies. At some point, we have to agree with the audiences. <laughs> we want to be relevant, right? I guess. 
Well, we're going to give it a bunch of awards. That's changing tonight. Starting with the JB Smooth Award, a.k.a. the smoothest piece of movement. I don't know, Ryan. How do you define this one? Yeah, when was he the smoothest? It could be action, could be with the ladies. There's literally only one answer for this. Greg, what is that one answer? Uh, at one point, he holds a gun upside down. It's pinky trigger. And he fires it with his pinky. Yeah, I mean, when Ryan invented this, it, we were all thinking pinky trigger. And I just want to... I just want to expose that. There is no smoother moment in this. Um, and it is, it it walks that line between very stupid and very cool. Mm. But Jason Bourne can walk a line. And he he pulls it off. He knows the moves. He walks a line. Yeah. I think that there are other things that it could be. Um, uh, what do you call it? Slim Pickens, a body down to the second floor. I think that goes for an, for another award. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, see, Actually, that, that, is, that, that is my smoothest move. Okay, how, how about Slim one smooth move is when he uh, realizes he's going to drive away in the Mini Cooper and then does a bunch of awesome driving. But just the way he goes, like, you maintain this car, the tires feel a little splashy. Yeah. That was cool, dude. That's, so much, <laughs> that is the, that's the cool opposite of I could run for 0.6 miles before my hands start shaking. And, and honestly, I think the ultimate winner might be what we just talked about, which is, oh, no, please don't stop talking. I love listening to you talk. That's fucking smooth yeah. as shit. Yeah, dude. Baby, please talk. All right, we're going to give it to that. Talking is the only thing that makes my headache go away. So the points go to nobody. Dumbest action. Ryan, starting with you. Oh, God. The, my favorite part of this movie by far. I love it. I will watch it over and over again. Is a guy... Uh, Marie and Jason are walking through a hall. A guy crashes through a window. They fight, and then he leaves out of a different crash window. <laughs> Just an amazing <laughs> segment. All the, the whole movie is like they train these guys to be the best assassins you've like, ever ah! seen, and he just Except comes careening that guy. that through this window. Like that's his play. There's so many smooth operators in this, and he just comes barreling through a window, and he's just firing completely randomly because he's like, "Shit, I hit the window hard, dude!" <laughs> and then bullets are just spraying everywhere. He does nothing. Clive, he does nothing at all. Clive Owen follows them to a farm. He's yeah, secret. dude. He's got like his sniper rifle. This <laughs> guy. <laughs> to go through two different windows, one to fight, uh, to like be a secret assassin, <laughs> and the other to fall to your death. <laughs> Just an amazing turn of events. Greg, what is yours? For me, in a movie that is like, I will return like realness to action movies. Like the, I will have a real character experiencing real things and the gunplay and fighting will be like you would see in the real world. And then in that same movie to be him be like, oh no, a guy's coming up the stairs and he's got a better gun than I have. So what am I going to have to do here? Oh, I know. I'll knock a body off the stairs and then I'll like boogie board down <laughs> through the air. And then the movie was like, but that's not it. Yes, you're going to see this dumb thing, but you're going to see one more dumb thing before it's over. He headshots a guy on the way down. The guy that's running <laughs> up the stairs. As he's falling, boogie boarding on this body, he shoots the guy directly between the eyes. The movie basically sells out all of the action that it has built up. It completely goes against everything in the movie. And then when he lands cool on enough, it and it's, it's just fine. It. I, I want listeners yes. to know that everything he did there, I would have done the exact same way. <laughs> but better. No, I would have actually boogie boarded. I would have surfed. I would have been standing up. Surf's up. <laughs> uh, mine is the upside down gun. You had time to flip that gun right side up and be he able to did it, better Mike. and not he hurt didn't. your pinky. <laughs> Do you know That's how stupid as shit? Mike, okay, Mike, you've actually handled guns. Is it even possible to pull the trigger of a gun with your fucking pinky? With it's possible. It would just hurt a lot and be very <laughs> ow, slow. Ow, ow. <laughs> 
Unless he does those like the hand strength things all the time, specifically with his just pinky. Kegels? Hand kegels? Hand kegels. This is a new award for the rest of 2002, as we realized uh, all our character actors from the first part of the millennium are now our best actors on prestige TV. Best prestige TV star. Greg, kick it off. Uh, I had hoped to say um, Hall of Famer Brian Cox here, uh, but my plans were mislaid. Uh, probably by some nefarious organization that wants to see me fail as an individual. But uh, I say Brian Cox, Mike. Ryan, do you agree? Uh, I don't. I actually am. G- I want to give it to uh, Ottawale Akinuye uh, uh, Adabisi from. I'm the sorry. guy from Oz? Uh, yeah, Adabisi. I, I apologize for uh, butchering your name, but uh, how he kept that tiny hat on his head in Oz, we will never know. And I also think he was great in all of his scenes as a uh, the ruler of a country who thinks that he's pretty safe but isn't. And, man, for a movie that has a lot going for it, every time they showed him, I'm like, this should be your fucking movie. Why aren't we just learning more about this guy and how he rules his country with an iron fist and is going to take down the CIA? And also, I mean, it very much, like, in a, an extremely subtle way, reminds us that, the re- like, if we look at Africa and we see a series of failed states... That, like, mm-hmm. we can kind of, if we really think about it, connect that back to places if, far uh, flung from Africa. What's up with us squinting? Put on our glasses to see the truth. <laughs> I'll Ryan. give Greg for that history knowledge, but Ryan, Ryan you get the point for Adabisi. Biggest cringe, Ryan. Uh, I mean, we talked about her a lot. Um, we don't know if how many Julia Stiles scenes were cut, but... Um, I think the most offensive part is where she's clearly a very talented person. She's good at her job. She's high up fairly in the ranks and uh, just constantly told to like reset hotel rooms. Like, yeah, dude, it's so often her job to hand a piece of paper to somebody or to like press a button while the phone rings to reroute it. It's like, how in your face are you trying to be with this? (laughs) And Chris Cooper could say, listen, Julia, Bubala, love you. Uh, you are so good at this specific thing, which uh, also includes cleaning a room. Could you please go and do your incredible talent? Thank you. The country thanks you. But instead, he's like, clean that fucking room. I'm Chris Cooper. Also, it was a strong choice to have her read the 10 Things I Hate About You poem yeah. in this movie. Like, I think that maybe should have stayed in the original movie and, and, and not See, been brought I into here. Made, now I get what her character believes in. Well, that's why she hasn't worked in so long is because that's a quite the contract demand to have to read that in every movie (laughs) well she really wrote that poem and so she's proud of it and wants it in all of her roles it's also for me uh, it's less it's less specific but it's just julia styles just the having her in there but not in there um it it felt like there was like zero resolution for her character the last Mm -hmm. scene she's in it's like not like she has seen stuff and she looks pensively yeah and then it's just like bye julia we'll see you later she didn't even get to say, are we the baddies? She did not. Uh, because Ryan. we love specificity, that one will go to Ryan. Uh, my personal cringe is uh, the blonde guy, the window extraordinaire, slurping the pen Oof. out of his hand. Man, uh, the foley really was kind of out. over the top of this movie, <laughs> and that was a very slurpy experience. Yeah, It was oyster level. Pound for pound performance, Gregory. I think I'm just going to have to be the basic B word that I really am and say... For me, it's Matt David. He's in there, and uh, you don't know, like, from scene to scene, he's a slightly different version of the same guy. You see him get more aggressive, less aggressive. You see him be confused. You see him be proficient. You see him speak multiple languages. Hello. Uh, and for not me, sound like an idiot? It's Matty Damon. 
Ryan, do you disagree? I do. I have to go with Chris Cooper. That scene that we talked about earlier with him, like, pretending to be what he thinks a human coach would Mm. be, like, pretend human upset. Like, I think in every scene, you can see him weighing all of these options that Matt Damon is doing as well. But, um, yeah, just trying to turn a monster into a human instead of a robot into a human. I I just found – I I think Matt Damon did great. I think he – I'm I'm just a big fan of him. I think that, like – when he is at his most basic, he's still really good. He's still really watchable. But Chris Cooper here was a shark. I, uh, I'm a basic be like Greg. Greg. I'm going to give it to Matty D. Finally, director's, mm, director's signature moment, Ryan. Uh, this is uh, a small thing that I think is emblematic of the entire movie, um, which is Matt Damon has to evacuate, I think, from the uh, embassy because – it's being invaded by all these people who want to kill him. And he looks over and he grabs the evacuation, <laughs> map, which is something that we just wouldn't think of because all superheroes know the floor plan of every building <laughs> that they've never been in. And I think in that moment, Doug Lyman sort of shows what he's trying to do is that like, this is a superhero, right? This, this is a person with super heroics, like super skills, but I'm trying to grab this map. For the audience, I'm trying to sort of right. figure out, and he always has a plan. Like yeah. that's what's super heroic about him, in a way, is he's got a, a preternatural ability to know what to do in a situation, and you got to grab the map there. Not every scene works, you know. Like th- there are some times where I, I'm sure that Doug Lyman over anybody would love to have another crack at some of this stuff, but for the most part, his mapping out of how this would actually go, I think, is what we see here, and I, I think it makes sense from. The movie before this, you know, which was Go, you know, he mm-hmm. like I can see the steps of like, no, what's important is how we plan all of this stuff out. The action will take care of itself. But how do we get the plan down? It's like 10 seconds and it says so much about the character and it's such an efficient use of filmmaking. Greg, what is your rebuttal? I'm going to go with something that is uh, just as efficient. And I was just like a simpleton, absolutely blown away by it. And it's when... Uh, Jason Bourne stumbles out of the hotel and we know that there's an assassin waiting and uh, he stumbles down the street and the assassin just steps out of his car and it's just obviously just like holding a gun chest level and all you can think is like well I guess Jason Bourne just ran out of time or whatever and he's going to be killed in kind of like the least dramatic way possible and then it's Chris Cooper that really gets shot and you realize in that moment you have thought Jason Bourne you thought Chris Cooper was Jason Bourne and that is literally what's happening is that he is mm-hmm. being now he is the individual outside the organization and the Chris Cooper type in Brian Cox potential Hall of Famer one day uh, is the it has become Chris Cooper and it's just the way in which if you're part of the organization you're safe but everyone who is part of the organization organization at any moment can become an individual again and be outside it and then be taken out and like all of that is loaded into just one sleight of hand with the camera and i loved it Uh, i liked both of your submissions i'm gonna give it to ryan for i think it's uh, more specific to this movie though you would have gotten three points if you had said uh how there's a scene in the middle where jason's standing next to the mini cooper looking very cool and that is doug lyman's thing Going back to the pilot of the OC, how do we meet Ryan Atwood and Brissa Cooper? Ryan Atwood is standing next to his car looking very cool, saying this is Doug Lyman's signature move. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm confused. So in the future, when Mike is hosting, compare things to the OC, and that might get you points? 
I say yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's more confusing to you because you know about the OC. But anytime either one of you mentions the OC, you both just go crazy. <laughs> Can I bring up one more JB Smooth uh, Smooth thing too? Is uh, and this feels like Jason Bourne has watched action movies before. Is that Clive Owen? He knows that Clive Owen is there because he, Clive Owen killed the dog as a message or something. Yeah, that was a dumb move. Uh, yeah, I don't know why you would do that, but. Um, Jason Bourne is hiding. He knows that like there's a gun on him, so he's like, "Oh, there's something incredibly flammable," and just yeah. explosion. I mean, that's another. But the, the reason he does it, uh, the Clive Owen does it, is another comparison to Terminator Two. It's because the dog will like bark, yeah. bark, and like freak out because it'll be like, "This is a non-normal person. He's got bad intents." Uh, because dogs always know in these dogs fictional worlds, know. they don't just lick the guy. Yeah, welcome to the All home. Right, let's- Please. And with recommendations, Greg, if you like The Born Identity, what else would you like? If you thought it was cool to watch a guy um, like have to be in a lot of situations where people know who he is, obviously, but he doesn't know who he is, and so he has to navigate the situation while figuring out who he is, you're going to love the game disco elysium where you play someone who wakes <laughs> Hell up yeah somebody who wakes up and has no idea who he is and then walks around a town full of people who are like hey asshole i know who you are and i'm still mad about that thing that you did and you have to be like okay and what was that thing because i don't remember who i am or what's going on that is a nightmare yeah <laughs> that is everybody's drunk hungover night everybody's like, mad at you and you have no idea why and you don't even know who you are you're basically you play the whole game like the tim robinson character uh who's pulling out of the parking spot and has like <laughs> no idea what's going on you just keep walking around going i don't know where any of this is none of these words make sense to me oh that is a very good recommendation ryan what do you got uh i'm actually a big doug lyman fan he has made some stinkers um, not counting Jumper, starring one of me and Mike's best friends, uh, Rachel Bilson. Uh, we won't speak about that movie, but and he's made Edge of Tomorrow, right? Like, oh yeah, dude, Edge of Tomorrow's dope. Live, die, repeat. Um, but I'm gonna bring up a movie that I think you guys should watch if you like The Born Identity, uh, which is American made. This is the last time Tom Cruise will probably be in a normal-ish movie. I think <laughs> that he's decided that he is going to be pete mitchell and ethan hunt for the rest of his career he wants to go bigger he doesn't i don't like i think that the days of like being in shit like magnolia and eyes wide mm-hmm. shut is long gone he got that out of his system yeah and just <laughs> like i don't think he got the return on his investment that he expected for that Fidelio. uh like showered with awards and shit um but american made is probably his last normal one it's just uh and it's it you know it's big budget it's hollywood he is a pilot who is um flying drugs from i want to say cuba or doesn't matter um back into the states um, maybe colombia but uh you get that sort of thing of like uh who am i as a person as a husband as a pilot with all of the action stuff as well which is i think something that doug lyman leaned into two varying degrees of success he also made um mr mrs smith which you can see if you squint the movie that was supposed to be there it was just overtaken by tabloids and poor decisions in the filmmaking as well but i like american made when did american made come out i know it's weird right like oh wait i've not heard of this at all no it was like five years ago oh really oh okay yeah wow i saw it in theaters like uh it did okay business and it's just gone because that's not the tom cruise that we have anymore and because good enough is not good enough anymore Mm -hmm. uh Together they are making the let's try to kill Tom Cruise in space movie. Uh, 
It just says, untitled, Tom Cruise goes to space movie, Doug Liman and Tom Cruise. Yeah. I'm very excited for that. Which is, yeah, Doug Liman is sort of like the only person left other than his Mission Impossible collaborator that can direct him. Like he said. That he'll allow. We're going to watch in 2002 one of the last movies that he made with a director other than that person with Steven Spielberg where he was like, fuck this. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have a director on the set that's more powerful than me ever again. And that's the, like, he, like, he wants everything made a certain way around his mm-hmm. character, right? Like, it's very important to him. Like, it's feel like the line blurs for him between what the character is and who yeah. he is. We're going to watch Minority Report. The movie that did them in was War of the Worlds, but both, I think, incredible movies that, like, and he's just, we're never going back to that. I'm so excited about Minority Report. Me too. My rec is Atomic Blonde, if you want some fun, hard-hitting action, uh, and of a star that you're like, they don't do this kind of stuff. Yes, they fucking do now. Charlize Theron rips ass in Atomic Blonde. And great soundtrack. All right, gentlemen, how do we think Born Identity is going to do in the bracket? It might be a movie. I'm so... This is the worst thing that the movie can hear at this point of the show. I'm so glad we did a show <laughs> about the Born Identity. It was fun to think about. It was a deep movie. It was it was multi-layered and had like a bunch of different things going on. I agree with Ryan. It could like it could it could take down one other movie, but I just think it's gonna it's not going it doesn't have staying power in the bracket. The I don't crazy think. thing about this season, because we kicked it up to sixteen movies, is that that's an extra round in the finale. Yeah. That mm-hmm. we have to go through. So that I think gives these movies like is it a punter? A puncher's chance. Puncher, not yeah. puncher. What does that mean? Puncher, no. Like for in boxing. Like, you know, you oh. can't box, but he could like throw a punch and so maybe he'll get lucky and connect. Punch. Yeah. A puncher's chance of making it to the Elite Eight. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah we all, we'll we all like it and it could go up against the stinker. But like a finals where it's like this movie against Russian Ark or whatever it's called. Like, right. Like, I don't see it being in the finals even, right? So that that's probably not a good sign. Especially if there's another Matt Damon movie because Matt Damon's going to win no matter what. Damon be Damon. Damon always wins. I, one of the, like, I best praise because I don't think it'll do well in the bracket either. But, uh, man, I'm going to watch all these Bourne movies this week. I think so. I'm going to do that too. Jeremy yeah. Renner one. I need to soak in the lore now. It Whoa. Was, I loved it. You're going to go... Jeremy Rennerborn? No, Even he doesn't Jeremy mean Born Legacy. I want to watch them all now. I've only seen the first three once, and now I'm going to see all of them once. I never saw the Renner one, and then he came back, right, and did a movie called yeah, Jason, Bourne, Jason Bourne, and I never saw that either. And then he also made a... And his Rocky Balboa. He also made a movie with Paul Greengrass. Paul Greengrass, Blue Blue Skies, uh, called Green Room. He, but not Green Room. Not Green Room. The Nazi punk. Something like that, where they tried to like get the magic back with the actor and the director, and I heard that was not Didn't great. It. Green Zone. Well, Green Zone. Now, the, most, <laughs> <laughs> the most important is that Thirty Rock. David that Schwimmer? was Green Zone. Dude, that's one of the best episodes of that show. Uh, it is time to say who will be my best friend and who won. Ryan, you got thirty-five points in the Born Identity show. Okay. How does that make you feel? Uh, it's pretty good, and I would say impossible to get more than that. Greg, you got 32 points in the Born Identity show. Ryan was right. It was impossible to get more than that. person that won first. I hate that shit. I know. But I have to switch it up because otherwise you're like, well, you said me first. Like, you know, I didn't win. I'm not saying that there's not a good reason to do it, Mike. I'm saying I fucking hate it. There's a difference. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) 
that's fair. Uh, Ryan, what kind of things can I come to expect in the next week is my best friend. Obviously, baskets of muffins. and Hell yeah, baby, they're back. Uh, and what did you want? Did you want banana nut? No, thank you. You want to get banana nuts? You want to get banana nuts? Uh, and then a basket of muffs. Uh, I don't want your little handsies getting cold. The, it is still chilly out here in Denver. Uh, and I also don't want you to use your hands, so why don't you put them in a Chinese finger cuff-like thing? Chinese arm cuff, and then when I slip on ice, I, that is how I die. <laughs> my mouth stuffed with banana nut muffins, my hands trapped in a muff, and my face just bloody all over the sidewalk. He died as he lived. That trapped is- in a muff. <laughs> That has been our show. Coming up this season, as we said, is Minority Report. Also, catch me if you can, Russian Art Chicago, and so much more. Until then, keep watching those movies. So, while Americans overwhelmingly support the right of an individual to make their own decisions about abortion, unfortunately, that right is no longer protected anywhere in the U.S. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24th. Abortion is a basic health care need for millions of people who can become pregnant. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical procedures shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. And we're already seeing certain medical practices be restricted even in those states. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortion.com. That's the number four, donationsforabortion.com. If you or someone you know needs help or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to take a stand against abortion restrictions. 3. Abortion.cafe has information about where to find clinics. 4. PlantCPills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And 5. Choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. Has a collection of these resources and more. You can also find all the links to these resources at podvoices.help and in the show notes. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word.